Matthew chapter number 25. We've been looking at the parables for some time and uh, continuing to look at the parables of our Lord Jesus Christ and a theme that has stood out as we've looked through these parables. Although they are coming from different angles and different approaches and different illustrations, the theme that stands out uh, uh, through the parables of the Lord Jesus Christ is He drives home over and over and over and over again the importance of salvation. He drives home the importance of putting our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. The parable that we're looking at today is the parable of the five wise and the five foolish virgins. In this parable that we're looking at today, we see that it speaks of the importance of preparation. Well, the story used by Jesus to drive this truth home is based on what was a common custom in that day. The message of this parable is the importance of eternal preparation. This is made very clear as we'll see in a moment when we read verse number 13, the final verse of the parable when Jesus says, Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. I want to say this morning that Jesus will return. He is coming back and the importance of being prepared for that day cannot be overstated. It cannot be preached too much that we need to make our calling and election sure. We need to know without a shadow of a doubt that we are ready for that day when the skies will split open and the Son of God will step out on the clouds and He will call His church home. There are many well-intentioned people. There are many people who are a part of religious organizations who have never made the necessary preparation. And on that day there are going to be many who are hoping to be part of that rapture who are going to be left standing here because they did not make the necessary preparation. As we look at this parable this morning we will see that this is the truth that Jesus is driving home. Look with me in Matthew chapter number 25. We'll start in verse number 1 and read down through verse number 13. The Bible says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, that our, our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Here's the verse that we spoke of just a moment ago. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. 
wherein the Son of Man cometh. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. Lord, I thank you for each person that is here this morning. Father, I pray that you will uh, meet with us. I pray, dear Lord, that you'll prepare our hearts. I pray, dear Lord, that you'll open our minds. Lord, I pray that you will help us as we look at this passage of Scripture this morning, that, Lord, we will be honest with ourselves, that, Lord, we won't pass off the importance of this passage of Scripture. We won't pass off the importance of the message uh, that you have given us in your Word. But, Father, we will look into our own hearts honestly and openly, and, Lord, we will decide whether or not we are prepared for that day when the Son of Man returns. Lord, if there be someone here this morning that, Lord, doesn't know you as Savior, that's never put their trust in you, that's never accepted you. Father, I pray that you will use this message this morning, Lord, to open their eyes, uh, uh, Lord, to the hope uh, of the gospel. And Father, Lord, that you will speak to them this morning. Thank you for your goodness to us. Bless us now as we look into your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We look at this story, and if we look at this story with a modern understanding of how uh, our culture is and how weddings work in our day, we look at this story and we may be a bit confused uh, about what is being talked about here on Wednesday nights. Uh, we've been doing some study on how to better understand your Word of God, and a subject that we mentioned that we're going to be looking at more in depth later on uh, is the importance of understanding the culture uh, that surrounded the time that the Word of God was written. And when you understand the culture and the customs of that day, it brings everything into a better light and makes it much easier to understand. Uh, so we look at this story and what is taking place at this wedding uh, is not something that we have seen take place uh, at a, a, a wedding here in the United States, uh, but it is a custom that the, took place uh, in the Jewish world and actually takes place in many other cultures. Uh, uh, you see here, uh, uh, weddings are basically a one-day event and uh, many times there'll be some preparation leading up to it, but the actual wedding, uh, uh, there's the, the ceremony where they, they exchange the vows, uh, uh, there's a reception, and then we see the bride and groom off, uh, and it's basically a one-day event. In Jewish culture, a wedding was oftentimes uh, three to seven, sometimes even more, days longer. It was a, a long event that was filled with celebration, with feasting, with, with ceremonies, with, with uh, traditions that they kept up these traditions, and it would go on for many days. And part of that celebration, many times the bride and the groom would, would uh, exchange vows at the beginning of the celebration. They might would uh, meet on their, uh, much like we do, they would find a venue, maybe it would be by the river, maybe it be on dad's farm, uh, maybe it would be uh, someplace special to the both of them, but they would meet there. Uh, they would exchange their vows. Then after they exchanged their vows, uh, they would go to the home of the bride, the father of the bride. They would go to his home uh, and they would begin in feasting. At some point uh, uh, throughout the, the uh, selected time, whether it's three days, seven days, whatever, but some point through there, uh, the celebration would move from the father's house uh, to the husband's house, uh, indicating uh, that she now no longer belongs to dad, but she belongs to her husband. And if it weren't for all the hassle of doing this, I think it'd be cool to do it, but I you know, don't know if I could hang with y'all for a whole week. But anyway, uh, they, so part of the celebration 
illustration is uh, uh, that at some point uh, the groom would come to the father's house uh, and he would get his bride uh, and he would take his bride to his house. Uh, and when they got to his house, uh, the wedding party would convene again uh, and the celebration would take off again. This just was an indicator uh, that she was no longer her father's. Uh, now she belonged to him. And so this is how this took place. Uh, and so this was a custom in that day. So Jesus understanding this custom uses this custom in telling this parable to paint a picture of the importance of preparation. Now part of that, part of that ceremony was that whenever the groom would come to get his bride, there would be a group of people much like in our day, we have the bridesmaids, uh, uh, the groomsmen that are part of the wedding party. The bridesmaids, as we would understand it in our day, uh, would escort the bride and groom from the father's house uh, to the new home. And so these, these bridesmaids, and that's what the Bible is speaking of when it speaks of the ten virgins, these bridesmaids uh, would go, they would get their lamps uh, because, uh, because the part of the tradition was that the groom never told anybody when he was coming to get uh, the bride. It would always happen at night uh, and he would never tell anybody at what time he was coming. It just kind of added to the anticipation and the, and the expectation of the event. They knew he would come at night uh, uh, sometime through through the night uh, after the feasting was over, but they did not know at what time he would come. So these bridesmaids uh, would take their lamps uh, and they would go sit along the route waiting for the groom to come. And whenever the groom would come, they would take their lamps, they would escort the groom to the father's house, they would get the bride, and then they would escort them, lighting the way with their lamps, back to the husband's house where they could resume. So this is what's taking place. And so we see that there is Jesus is saying what I'm talking about. You all know, speaking to the congregation he was talking to, you all know who I'm talking about. You know when the bridesmaids take their lamps and they go to wait on the groom. I want you to think about that story and I'm going to teach you an important truth. Now before we go on, let me just make sure that you recognize that whenever the Lord taught in parables, He was teaching one truth. Many people have confused the parables of the Lord Jesus Christ by trying to add a spiritual aspect to every part of the parable. And most always a parable only teaches one truth, which most of the time Jesus will clearly state what that purpose is. And so some have tried to take this parable and break it down into many parts uh, when really there is one truth being taught here, and that is the importance of preparation. Whenever we look at this passage, we see first of all an anticipated occasion. An anticipated occasion. It says in verse number 1, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Now having already explained what is taking place, this passage of scripture is already making more sense. Now we are got the picture. We see what's going on. Uh, the... Jesus is setting the stage for this story that he's getting ready to tell. Ten young ladies. Boy, can you just imagine these young ladies? Have you ever been around young ladies at a wedding? 
especially unmarried young ladies at a wedding. I'm telling you what, they are an excitable lot. They're just talking and chattering and laughing and excited and they're getting dressed and putting on their makeup and, and they're trying not to be prettier than the bride, but you know, just right there, just as close as they can get, you know, and it's an exciting event and, and they, they're all happy to be there a part of it. And Jesus setting the stage, 10 young ladies full of excitement, full of anticipation. The, the meal is done. They know that tonight is the night that the groom is going to come and get the bride from the father's house. Else. They grab their lamps. They go to the selected place where they're supposed to intersect the bride, the bridegroom on his way. And so they get there and they're excited. They set their lamps out on the table. They go ahead and light them because they know that once it gets dark, he could come at any time. So they light their lamps and set them there on the table. And can you just see these ten young ladies? Boy, they're talking. They're excited. They can't wait. They're talking about their friend who is there who's married now. And they're talking about one day when they get married. And boy, these young ladies are just talking and excited and as the night wears on little by little they begin to drift off to sleep this one falls asleep and then that one falls asleep and groom's not coming yet and little by little they all begin to fall asleep Jesus is setting the stage they know the groom is coming but they don't know exactly when he is coming and as they wait they begin to drift off to sleep. It's no wonder that the Lord uses this illustration because it so perfectly describes His return. It is such a perfect picture of the Lord coming back, which we find all throughout Scripture. Matthew 24 and in verse number 42, Jesus said, Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. In verse number 44 of Matthew 24, Jesus said, Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. In the book of Mark, chapter 13, verse number 35, Jesus says, Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the Master of the house cometh at even, or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning. Jesus is using this example of these young virgins waiting for the entourage to illustrate the importance of being prepared because they did not know when he was coming and as we'll see their lack of preparation cost them dearly. Jesus said this is a perfect illustration of when I return because no man knows exactly when I'm coming. You know that I am coming but you don't know exactly when. Therefore be ye ready. You and I are looking ahead to this anticipated occasion. Titus chapter number 2 says looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see that there's an anticipated occasion. But the second thing I see in this parable is an individual responsibility. An individual responsibility. In verse number 2 down through verse number 4, the Bible says, And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. Now I just want to point out right here that up until the bridegroom showed up, you couldn't tell any difference in the ten virgins. They were all there. They all had lamps. Their lamps were all burning. There was no evidence that there was anything different until we get to this point. Five were wise. Five were foolish. They that were foolish 
took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Now, many applications have been made concerning the oil. We're not getting into that. They may be correct. They may not. We're not looking at that. We're looking at the thing that Christ said he was teaching, and that was the importance of preparation. But we see right here that there was an individual responsibility to make sure they had enough oil for the occasion. Each, each lady was responsible to make sure. We know that they were each individually responsible because the Bible puts the blame on those that did not have the oil by calling them a rather strong word in saying that they were foolish. In other words, this was no one's fault but their own. This wasn't up to anyone else. No one else was responsible to take care of this. This was their responsibility. And what was that responsibility? To make sure they were prepared for this special night to make sure they had everything that they needed for this special night. We see that they took oil in their lamps, but five were wise and five were foolish. There were five of the ten who failed to fulfill their responsibility. They failed to ensure that they had extra oil. They were caught up in the excitement, and they thought that they could slide by without doing what they knew they should have done. You know what? Our churches are full of people who are hoping that in that day, when the Lord returns, they'll be able to slide by. Let me just say to you this morning, that is a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous place to live. The Bible makes it clear what it is that we must do to be prepared for His return. But there are many, many people who come to church, who are part of worship, who, who, who live the life that appears to be a Christian life, who deep down in their heart know that they've never accepted the Lord as their Savior, and they are just hoping that in that day they'll slide by. These young ladies neglected to fulfill their responsibility. They're hoping that they can slide by without making the necessary preparations. We see the reason they did this is that they had misplaced priorities. These young ladies have misplaced priorities. Have you ever seen folks who get so caught up in the excitement that they fail to take care of what needs to be taken care of? They get so caught up in all the fun and all the festivity that they don't take time to do what needs to be done. That's what's going on here with these ladies. They have misplaced priorities. They knew that they were going to be part of the group, were supposed to be part of the group that escorted the bride and the groom to their home. But perhaps, perhaps they thought, oh, he'll come early. I can just hear young girls talking, oh, did you see how, I mean, did you see how he looked at her? There's no way he's going to stay away long tonight. No, no. He'll be, I mean, soon as the sun sets, he'll be coming to get her. See the way they were looking at each other at the, over the dinner table? Oh, I'm sure there's not going to be any hesitation here. He'll be right along. He's going to come early. We don't need any extra oil. Maybe, maybe they thought that the oil they had would be sufficient. Maybe they looked in their lamp and they're like, oh, that's, that's plenty of oil. You know what? It's a lot like people looking at what they're doing religiously and thinking that that will be sufficient when Jesus comes. Maybe they thought, oh, what I've got is sufficient. There's plenty of oil here. 
I'm sure that I can make it through the night. Maybe they thought that somebody else would take care of it for them. Maybe they thought once we get over there to the house where we're waiting at, there'll be a bottle of oil there. Somebody's already put it there for them. You know what that's like? Putting your trust in, in your parents' religion or your grandparents' religion or putting your trust in what someone has told you rather than personally accepting the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps they thought that somebody else was going to take care of this for them, but whatever the reason these young ladies failed to prepare. And it's because of these misplaced priorities. As the night wore on, they chose to sleep rather than prepare. And I just want to say something here about sleeping. There's two things that we can see here. There's two groups of people. There are those who have plenty of oil, and there are those who do not have any oil. Whenever we think about sleeping in Christ, Whenever I know that my eternity is secure, I know that I have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. I know that I am trusting Him for my salvation. I have accepted Him as my Lord and Savior. My full trust and confidence is in Him. I can lay down at night and I can rest and sleep peacefully because there is nothing that I need to be concerned about. Whenever He comes, I am ready to go. So when we look at these folks falling asleep, some application has been made thinking that it was in error that they slip. I believe the five that had oil, there was no error. It would be a little bit of time. Someone was going to announce his coming. They were fully confident. They had plenty of oil. Their responsibility was met. They could catch a couple of hours of sleep and that way they would have the energy to go on and party and celebrate the rest of the night. But there were five that were foolish that didn't have any oil. And as the lamps continued to burn, we know that the lamps were burning, as we'll see in a couple of verses. When the bridegroom was announced, that the bridegroom was coming, the Bible says that they trimmed their lamps, and then they said, oh, our lamps have gone out. So their lamps are burning at this time. They looked down into the chamber of the lamp. They could have said, we're getting low on oil. We're not sure when the bridegroom is coming, but we should make preparation now. You know what? I believe there are a lot of people who instead of preparing for eternity are choosing to sleep. In other words, be an ostrich. Put their head in the sand. It's going to be okay. It'll be all right. I can sleep. These young ladies, as we will see, had plenty of time to go get more oil. These young ladies were... As the night wore on, they should have been becoming more and more aware of the fact that they didn't have enough oil. Boy, another hour has went by. He's not coming early. Oh, no, he's going to be one of these late night guys. They began to become aware that they didn't have enough oil. They could have went and got oil instead of sleeping, but they chose to sleep instead of ensuring that they had enough oil, misplaced priorities. But then true to the custom, there was a sudden arrival. Now you know, folks in that day were the same as we are now. And boy, folks just like, folks like to add to the excitement and add to the anticipation. And I can just see, and this is all of my, my imagination. This isn't in the Bible. So if you don't want to see it this way, you don't have to. But I believe we can see it this way. I can see that the, that the groom had a little sister. And he's like, little sister, 
you hang out with them girls at the cabin, okay? And whenever they're all good and asleep, you come and tell me. And that's when we're going to announce that I'm coming. That way they'll have to scramble and they'll have to hurry. And, and, and it'll be a big surprise. And little sister comes running and says, they're all asleep. They, they're dead asleep. I, I said their names and they didn't wake up. He's like, perfect, perfect, perfect. All right, guys, he gets his groomsmen. All right, it's time to go. Come on, let's go. And someone makes the announcement. They pound on the door. The groom is coming. The groom is coming. Letting them know it's time to get ready. And the girls are jumping up and they're scrambling. It was a sudden arrival. You know what the Bible tells us? That the Lord will come as a thief in the night. It'll be when we least expect Him and the sky will split open and the trumpet will sound. It will be sudden. And when He announces His arrival, there is no time left to make preparation. It's a sudden arrival. It says and at midnight, verse number 6, at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Now, it seems very apparent that there was a messenger that came and beat on the door and said, he's coming, he's coming. He wasn't there just as yet. He was on the way. And the reason that we think this is true is because they said, why don't you go? Go to town and, and get, your, uh, get your oil. And so the bridegroom wasn't there right yet. And so they go dashing to get their oil. But you know what? He wasn't far behind. He was just a couple steps behind the messenger. We see here that there was a sudden arrival. But we see that at that moment, these five careless girls had a sobering realization. There was a knock on the door. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. The girls begin to wake up, and they look over on the table where there had been ten lamps burning, and five are gone out. There is no oil in the lamp. Now this is an exciting can you imagine? I mean, whenever we have a wedding here in the United States, boy, it is a great honor for, for a lady to ask another lady to be a bridesmaid. And she'll come up and, and stand there in front of the church and, boy, it's such an honor to be there with the bride. I'm a friend of the bride and everyone notices that they're a friend of the bride. It's a great honor. Can you imagine the excitement of being a part of this entourage? Oh, we're going to be part of the group that escorts the bride and groom. We are, I, man, can you believe she picked me? She picked me to be a part of the group. Can you, oh, I'm so excited. I can't wait. This is going to be so awesome. I, I just can't wait to get my lamp and get out there. And they wake up and they look at the table and the lamp is burnt out because they did not make preparation. You know what? Anytime somebody talks about the glories of heaven, there is not a single person that doesn't say, what a place that must be. There's not a single person that doesn't think how wonderful it would be to spend eternity in a place like that. There's not a single person that doesn't say within themselves, oh my goodness, whenever I pass off of this life, that is where I want to be. And the Bible clearly tells us that the invitation has went out to all men, that everyone is invited to be a part of that glorious eternity. And people hear the message, they've been invited they are welcome to spend eternity in heaven, but there's coming a day when the trumpet's going to sound and they're going to recognize that their lamp has gone out because they never made the necessary preparation to be a part of that glorious 
eternity. I'm sure these young ladies were excited about this opportunity. They wanted to be a part of that group. Uh, they were excited that they were uh, eligible for this event. Uh, this was going to be all kinds of fun. Uh, oh my goodness, what fun it was going to be. But because of their procrastination, because of their carelessness, uh, because of their foolishness, uh, they were not able uh, to be a part uh, of the event uh, that they had been invited to uh, because they failed to prepare. And their lamps we're going out. It says in verse 7, Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. This again drives home the truth that your preparation is an individual responsibility. I'm not able to take anyone to heaven on account of my salvation. Oh, sometimes I wish I could. Sometimes I wish that I, I could have a plus one with my heaven ticket. Sometimes I wish that I could say, hey, I'm born again, you can come with me. But my salvation does nobody else any good. It doesn't get my children into heaven. It doesn't get my grandchildren into heaven. It doesn't get my co-workers into heaven. My salvation only gets me into heaven. They said our lamps are gone out. We've been so anticipating this event, but we don't have any oil. Can you help us? And the wise virgins said no. We just have enough oil for ourselves. A sobering realization. When they came to this sobering realization... We see that they realize their error and they frantically set off on a hopeless endeavor. They set off on a hopeless endeavor. In verse number 10, it says, And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Here's a hopeless endeavor. You know what? I believe there's coming a day when there are people who are going to recognize. Maybe it's at their deathbed. Maybe it's at the second coming. At some point, they're going to recognize, I am not prepared, and it will be too late. These young ladies set off on a hopeless endeavor. They pounded on the door. Bridegroom's coming. Time to go. We don't have any oil. What will we do? Let's go to the store. There's no time to go to the store. He's here. I believe there's coming a day when many people are going to recognize that it's a hopeless endeavor because they failed to prepare. In verse 11 and 12, we see their efforts were futile as they were turned away in a final rejection. It says in verse 11 and 12, afterward, they got the oil. They came back. They knew where the celebration was to be taking place. They go to the house. They said, open to us. Now remember, this is an earthly picture that Christ is using to illustrate the importance of preparation. Open to us! Let us in! And the bridegroom said, not so. Not so. From an earthly perspective, the bridegroom says, we invited you to be part of the entourage and you did not care enough about me and my wife to make the necessary preparation we don't care enough about you to let you come eat of the feast. You know what? 
It seems kind of harsh, but the Bible tells us in Hebrews that whenever we fail to put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and we go through life relying on ourselves instead, that it is as if we trample the blood of Christ under our feet and that we are facing sure judgment because we rejected what God did for us. Come running to the door. Let us in. Let us in. We've got all now. We're ready to celebrate. Go away. You didn't care about us. We don't care about you. There's coming a day when there are people who are going to say, but Lord, Lord, did we not attend church? Lord, Lord, didn't we read the Bible through? Lord, Lord, uh, we taught Sunday school. Lord, Lord, we've did many things in your name. And he will say, but you never accepted the salvation that is offered through my son. You relied on your works. You relied on your goodness. You relied in hoping that you would get through. You never repented of your sin. You never asked for forgiveness. Depart from me. You worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Jesus is driving home the importance of personal preparation for eternity. He closes the parable in verse number 13 with a personal application. Watch therefore for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. You know this morning I've lived for 47 years. Some of y'all have not lived quite that long, some quite a few years longer. And all our life, we have heard Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. Matter of fact, our parents told us that they heard all their life. Our grandparents said they heard all their life, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. And we believe he's coming. Probably not in our lifetime, though. Didn't come in their lifetime. That's probably, that's probably on out there a ways. You know, surely that, that'll be a while yet. Oh, it'd be cool if Jesus came while I was alive, but I don't think he will. You know what? I don't know when he's coming. He could come today. You see, these ladies sitting in the house, they didn't know exactly when the bridegroom was coming, but we're talking about a seven-day event, and they do know which night it will be. They don't know what time through the night, but they know when it's getting close. And boy, I'm telling you what, whenever I look into the Word of God and I look at what the Bible says will be taking place when we're nearing the return of Christ and we're getting mighty close to His return, we're getting really close to when He's going to come take His children home. There is no prophecy that needs to be fulfilled. There's nothing that needs to happen. Everything is in place. He can return whenever he wants to, and he could come today. And I believe there are people even listening to this message right now who have never made preparation for that day when he returns. Jesus said, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. As I look at this parable, these ladies had been invited. These ladies had time to prepare. But their focus was on the present. It was on the celebration, the fun, the festivities. And their focus was not on preparing for the future. And when the moment that they were looking forward to arrived, they were ashamed because they did not prepare. This morning, I don't know if I could say this sober enough, but this morning, 
you need to prepare for eternity. The Bible says, behold, now. But today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Now is when you need to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, but Pastor John, you don't know the things I would have to... I've got so many things in my life, uh, the things I would have to change. Pastor John, uh, you don't understand what a big decision this would be. Uh, Pastor John, everybody thinks that I am a Christian. Everybody thinks I have put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Pastor John, uh, what about uh, the things that I've done? Pastor John, you know what? Nothing, uh, none of that will matter on that day. But you know what will matter? is whether or not you have prepared for eternity. I believe there are many people who come to church who are hoping that things slide by because they don't want to face whatever it is. It's the thing the devil puts in us. They don't want to face that coming in front of people and admitting that they'd never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to say to you this morning, if you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've never repented of your sin and gave your life over to Him as your Lord and Master, there's coming a day when you will be ashamed. Jesus said, I want to tell you all a story. You know how we do at weddings. You know how embarrassed and ashamed and disappointed those young ladies would be. He said, when I return, there are people who are going to be devastated because they did not prepare for eternity. Let's all stand to our feet. As Miss Melissa comes to the piano this morning, I say to you this morning, if you've never accepted the Lord as your Savior, if you've never repented of your sin, you've never put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no time like the present to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. As Miss Melissa plays, if the Lord spoke to your heart this morning, I ask you to come. Christians, perhaps you know of a sinner. You know of somebody who's acting, but they've never really put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christians, pray for them. Pray that the Lord will convict their heart. Pray that the the Lord will take the blinders that Satan has put on their eyes and open their eyes and that they'll see their need to put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. If there's any here this morning,